Well, let's do our Bible memory verse. Let's stand back up if we could, because I don't want you to fall asleep on me. And uh, we'll get the house lights back up and we're ready to go. Uh, Genesis chapter 28, verse 15 is our theme verse of the week. God is with me and will watch over me wherever I go. So what I'd like for us to do is to say this verse out loud. And we say where the verse is found first. Then we say the verse. And I'd like for us to repeat the where it's found again. And the reason I do that is I have a hard time remembering where they're found. I can remember the verses, but to remember where they're located. And so I like to say that twice. All right, so let's say this verse out loud together. Genesis 28, 15. God is with me and will watch over me wherever I go. Genesis 28, 15. Very good. I want to share with you something I try to share each year now uh, with our Bible school group. And it's the gospel, God's plan for me. And we know that God is the ruler. Uh, God is in charge of all. God is God alone. And uh, we messed up. We sinned. And uh, that sin uh, brought uh, separation from us and a holy God. But God provided for us. And the way he provided for us is sending his son, the Lord Jesus. And Jesus gives. He's the one that gives us eternal life as we place our faith in him and turn from our sin. And we do that by responding to him. So I like for us to say this out loud. God rules. We sin. God provided. Jesus gives. And we respond. The gospel. God's plan for me. Would you say it out loud? God rules. We sin. God provided. Jesus gives. We respond. Very good. Well, I want to do one more song. If you ladies will come up here and join me. And the motions for this are very easy. Are you equipped help me again? In fact, this is probably the easiest one of all. It starts out, you just kind of go, and again, if you're not very coordinated like me, it may be a little challenge. We just kind of go side to side. All right? We just go side to side, and then we start this. Okay? And then we do this. And then there's one more move, kind of like you're raising your hand, like this, like send me. So it's wherever I go, and then we do that, and then send me. And this is a nice slow song as we get ready to move into the scripture today. So I know nobody's looking at you. Just I won't look at you. I won't laugh. You don't laugh at me. But let's do send me. And you'll see some missions thing as you're watching, okay?
dwell on that one. Thank you, ladies, for helping me. You can be seated. In fact, uh, all of you can be seated at this time. And uh, if you want to see something very interesting, come in uh, one of these evenings, and I'll guarantee you it'll be a lot more lively than that in here. In fact, we'll get those motions down, and we'll really be doing well. If you're going out to Children's Church, boys and girls, uh, you can be heading that way at this time. Uh, If you're staying in here with me, if you'd open your Bibles, please, to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6, as we jump back in our series, Favorite Bible Stories. Favorite Bible Stories. Now, as you're finding Daniel chapter 6, I probably don't have to tell you this, uh, because you know that we're living in a nation. Uh, We're living in a nation that is becoming more and more hostile uh, to those of us who love and serve and follow Jesus Christ. Uh, We're facing things today that we've never had to face before, uh, it seems, as a church. But we're not the first to do so. Uh, In fact, it's amazing how we act surprised, really, uh, that the world comes in opposition uh, and um, comes against us. Did our Lord not say to us in his word, in this world, you will have tribulation. You will have these problems. You will have this opposition. And so here in this great land of ours, we find ourselves as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, becoming more and more marginalized, more and more hated and more and more mocked. Our our culture is not very conducive to practicing and living out our faith. I was reminded of that as I studied another favorite Bible story this past week found here in the book of Daniel. Now, when some believers think about the book of Daniel, there are those who think about prophecy and they think about the interesting things that uh, the book of Daniel talks about prophecy, especially if that's one of their favorite topics. And then others, they think about Daniel, they think about the story of the the three Hebrews in the fiery furnace. And to think about the deliverance that God brought them. And that certainly is a favorite Bible story as well. But I imagine that most people, when they think about Daniel, they think about the book of Daniel and think about the man, Daniel himself. They think about that very familiar story about Daniel and the lion's den. I gave a hint in my uh, email to you this past week that I was just going to let you know we're going to be studying about a man and some big cats. And so we're going to look today about some man. You know how I feel about cats, and especially (laughs) these type of cats we're going to study here uh, this morning. Let me just tell you, as we get ready to dive into Daniel chapter 6, at this time, Daniel is probably in his 80s. Okay, So don't get in your mind that Daniel is a young teenager at this point, uh, that he's a strapping uh, man in his 30s. No, he's probably in his 80s. He's lived the majority of his life in captivity. He was taken captive uh, as a teenager. He's lived the majority of his life in captivity. And he's now serving in a new kingdom, uh, the kingdom of the Medo-Persian Empire. And so the power has changed hands here. If you go back and read chapter 5 into chapter 6. And as we look at this remarkable story, I want to draw out some lessons that will help all of us uh, to live in our culture. And to impact our culture for God like Daniel impacted his culture for God. Because, beloved, now is not the time for us to wring our hands in despair and say, oh me, oh my, what's going to happen to us? And everybody seems to be against the church and everybody's against us as believers. And it's so hard to worship and serve Jesus. No, now's the time to stand for Jesus and be used by the Lord to impact our world, our sphere of influence for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want to dive in together today and learn some lessons to help all of us to know how to live 
and impact our culture like Daniel lived and impacted his. So let's dive in. We've got a nice setting here to dive in. And Daniel chapter 6, beginning at verse number 1. It says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them, so that the king would suffer no loss. Need to cut that down just a little bit there. We're ringing. So we have 121 rulers here. And over these 121 rulers, there are three governors. And Daniel is one of those governors. Now, I want to give you some lessons that we find here in this passage. And the first one's going to seem very simple, very plain, very obvious. And you're going to say, really, that's the lesson? Yes, but stay with me. The first lesson we learn here is that we need to live a godly life. We need to live a godly life. We say, well, preacher, we all know that. I mean, that seems pretty obvious. No, but I want you to watch it play itself out in Daniel's life. I want you to see how he lived a godly, God-honoring life. Pick up the story, verse 3. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and the satraps. Why? Because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. Verse 4. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find no charge or fault. Why? Because he was faithful. Nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Daniel... Here, a man in his 80s, probably at this time, was a man of integrity. He was a man of honesty. He was a man filled with godliness. They looked for something on him and they could not find it. You know how that works in our world, right? Someone's going to run for president. And people are hired to go investigate and dig up the dirt on that candidate. And dig it out and find it and expose it. And put them forth in the most horrible light possible. Well, they went against Daniel and said, listen, we don't want Daniel serving us. We don't want him to rule over us. Let's dig up some dirt on Daniel. And they went looking and they couldn't find anything. Now, listen, of course, Daniel was not sinless. There's only one sinless person who's ever lived, and his name is Jesus Christ. But there was nothing they could put their finger on to disqualify him. There's nothing they can say, look, this disqualifies him from serving in this position. This is a horrible mark on his record. There's nothing. When they examined him, what they found was not dirt and was not evil stuff. They found that his whole focus was God. And if they were going to get Daniel, they'd have to get him by way of his faith. Now, let's think about their lives for a moment. This might be a little bit uncomfortable to think about. Don't answer out. Let me think about your life for a moment. If you're a believer, I'm especially talking to you. Could you pass that examination? Are we living godly lives? Are we living lives of integrity? Lives with honesty? Lives that are godly? Are we living that way? And then some I'd have to ask this morning, really, friend, do you even know God? Do you even know God? You can't live a godly life until you know God. You know, we shared a moment ago, God's plan for me, God's plan for you is the gospel. And the Bible says that all of us have sinned. There's nobody perfect. Nobody here. Myself included. None of us. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory. But God loves us so much 
that he sent the sinless one, the perfect one, God in the flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he came and lived a sinless, perfect life. Then he volunteered to lay his life down and he died on that cross and he shed his precious blood and he took our sin upon himself. And he was buried and three days later he arose victorious. And the Bible declares that if you'll turn from your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ, you will be saved. And so I say today to you, dear friend, do you know God? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? As your Lord and Savior. That's the starting point for you. You say, how do I live a godly life? First of all, you must know God. And you can only know God through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. But if we do know him, you say, well, preacher, I I know Jesus. He's my Savior. How are we doing at living godly lives? Are we living our lives in a way that brings honor and glory to him? Are we honest? Are we men and women of integrity? Are we godly? Now, of course, we cannot live this way in our own power. You try to live this way in your own strength, you'll fail every time. We must have his enablement. We must have his power. Because as believers, we have, the Bible says, his Holy Spirit indwelling us. And as we yield to him, he works in our lives. And he brings out these wonderful things. It was mentioned in our class. Chandra mentioned them to us this morning. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, long-suffering, goodness, self-control. These things that we so desperately try to get ourselves and we fail and fail and fail. Why? Because we can't do it on our own. God wants to work those things in us and through us as we yield to His Holy Spirit and as we obey His Holy Word. Now, these jealous rulers were intent on catching Daniel Uh, In something and doing away with him. So they decided to hit him where it would hurt. They decided to hit him in his faith. Look at the passage again, verse 6. So these governors, remember you have 121 uh, um, rulers. Above them are three governors. Daniel's one of the governors. He's such an excellent man. The king says, well, maybe I want to put Daniel over everybody. They said, no, we don't want that. So what are we going to do? Verse 6. So these governors and satraps... Throng before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. Now notice the next word in verse 7, all. I just want to say that's a lie. All the governors of the kingdom, I don't think they asked Daniel about this. The administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together, minus Daniel, to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree. Now watch this decree, that whoever petitions any god... Or man for 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Let's review. Basically, don't pray to anyone other than the king for 30 days or you go to the lions. That's just the, the basic decree. Now, put yourself in Daniel's sandals for a moment. What do you do? Well, he's like a lot of us. Here's what we probably do. Well, you know, I think I've been thinking about this. I need to reexamine my understanding of the Bible and prayer. And I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the next 30 days and instead of praying, I'm just going to get in the word of God and I'm going to study it out and figure out exactly what does God's word say about prayer. And I'm not going to I'm just going to focus my attention on prayer. Well, then maybe others, if we're maybe a little bit more spiritual, might say, you know what? I don't have to pray out loud. I can I can pray in my heart. 
I'll just, I'll just pray in my heart. I'll just pray in my mind. By the way, there's nothing wrong praying in your heart or praying in your mind. But, but, but just the next, I'm not going to pray out loud. You know, when I'm at a restaurant uh, and it's time to pray the blessing, I'm just going to drop my fork and I'll get up under the table, get my fork. Thank you, Lord, for this food. Amen. And I'm just going to stay low, just keep a low profile. And uh, but notice what Daniel does. Daniel disobeys. He knows, as the early church would later articulate and the scripture records, that we ought to obey God rather than men. If there comes an issue in our life, in our world, in our culture, in our nation, where they tell us to go against the very word of God, God's word is clear. We ought to obey God rather than man. Now look at verse 10. And I really think this is the key verse to the whole passage. Verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed. Word came to him. He was made aware of this. I don't think he was involved in the process. But word comes. Here's the new decree. Here's what the king just signed. Notice what he says he did. He went home. Now, I want you to notice here, beloved, he did not go home to cry or to sulk or to pout or to have a pity party. Notice what he went home to do. Look, read the rest of it. And in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed And gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. He went home to pray. Now, beloved, notice this. He'd been doing this for most of his life, praying three times a day. Because it says, as his custom was since early days. And he's probably following the instruction of, of David uh, over in Psalm 55, verse 17. Psalm 55, 17 says this. Evening and morning and at noon I will pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. Now he knows his life is in the line. He knows the decree. He knows what the king said. He knows it's a serious business. He knew his life was in jeopardy, but he went home and he knelt down and he prayed anyway. And did you notice something very remarkable? It says not only that he prayed. Did you notice it says right after it says and prayed and the next two words say this. He gave thanks. He gave thanks. Wow. He's still thankful. But don't miss the last part. It says, as his custom since early days. Now, notice this. Mark this down. Daniel did not start praying the day the decree was signed. He didn't say, well, you know, I think I need to really start praying. No. What he did, beloved, is he just continued his normal pattern of prayer. And this brings us to another important lesson And in fact, it's simply that we need to take some important steps in our lives. So the first lesson we learned is we need to live a godly life in this culture. And the second lesson is this. We need to take some very important steps in our Christian lives. And so I want to walk you through three very important steps that we as believers need to take based upon this passage in this story. Number one, we need to form some biblical convictions. We need to form some biblical convictions. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, there needs to be some things in our lives that are non-negotiable. Things that we're rock solid on. And we need to form those biblical convictions before we face the test. 
Daniel didn't wait to say, well, you know, I'm not supposed to pray. I I think I'm going to pray today. No. He'd been praying three times a day, day after day, year after year since his early days. And he's in his 80s right now. His life. Why is Daniel such a special character? Why did God use him so much? I think we find the answer there. But he forms some convictions. And we need those convictions before we face the testing. Let me give you some examples. And notice these are biblical convictions. Not just your preferences, not just what you want. Biblical convictions. One of those might be purity. The Bible is very plain. The Bible is very clear that we're to remain sexually pure and that uh, we're to honor the marriage covenant. And so we need to have a rock solid conviction concerning purity based upon the word of God. Honesty. What does God's word teach? We're to tell the truth in love. We're to be honest in our dealings. That should be a conviction based upon the word of God. Integrity. I'm going to be the same person in public as I am in private. I'm going to be the same person in private as I am in public. There's not going to be a duplicity about my life. I'm not going to live one way before others and another way in private. I'm going to be a person of integrity. And there are other things as you study through, as you look at your life, form some biblical convictions saying, listen, these things are right. I'm rock solid on these. These are not negotiable. These are not up. For debate. I'm rock solid in these things. You're going to see as we continue to study that Daniel passed two of the hardest tests that there is to pass, that there are to pass in life. And that's this. He passed the test of prosperity and adversity. The test of prosperity and adversity. He's been high, way up high. He was a man of integrity and character and godliness. He's going to be brought very low in a moment. He's a man of integrity and godliness. So the first thing we need to do as we take these important steps is to uh, form some biblical convictions. Now, secondly, we need to refuse to compromise them. Refuse to compromise them. Just go ahead and settle it that God helping me, I'm not backing up on these. Now, remember... These are not your preferences. These are not minor things. These are not just side items. These are things that God's word teaches. And you want to be rock solid on them. God helping. I'm not going to budge on these things. And then the third thing is very important. Because this is going to happen. You have to face any opposition that comes against those convictions in faith. Because your convictions are going to be tested. Did you notice they purposefully attacked Daniel in his conviction that he was going to pray to God, not to any other God, not to any other man. He was going to pray to God and he was going to pray in his in his mind three times a day. And when the test came, Daniel did not back down. He did not back up. He prayed in faith with thanksgiving because he had some things settled in his life and some things that were important in his life. He had some convictions. Now, how did Daniel live like this? I mean, think about all the years of captivity. I mean, he was taken to a strange place, given a different name, served under strange people, strange customs. And yet God kept using him in these different kingdoms and God kept exalting him and God kept working in his life. How was he able to stand under all this tremendous pressure? I mean, imagine you, you you're, imagine tomorrow we're told that if you're caught worshiping God, if you're caught here in this church. In fact, I just read that Russia, this is going on. They just signed a bill in Russia 
that is so hampering that they can't even have a gospel conversation, if I read it and understood it correctly, without sanction from the state. Imagine we were told something like they said, well, it'll never happen. What if it did? What are you going to do? You need to have some things settled in your life and love God more than man and fear God more than man. And say, listen, these things, how do you face this tremendous pressure? How do you face these folks who wanted him dead? Well, the answer is right here in this key verse, verse 10. And the answer is this prayer. That's how he faced it. Three times a day for years, he poured out his heart to God and gave thanks. Samuel Chadwick said this. The one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work and prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. Prayer is the answer, beloved. As I said in the opening point, we cannot live a godly life in our own power. We need God's help and God's enablement. And in a godless culture, where we find ourselves today, and yes, it grieves our hearts. And yes, it breaks our hearts to watch our land and to watch our world go the way that it is going. God's people had better be on their knees in prayer. And when we live like this, we can then live out the third lesson I want to show you today. And that's this one. We need to trust God and leave the consequences to him. We need to trust God and leave the consequences to him. By the way, there were consequences. Now, remember this now. Daniel had not done wrong. He was not being punished because he did something wrong. He's being punished because he did something right. Now, notice what happens. Verse 11. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his Can you kind of picture Daniel's in his upper room as his custom was praying toward Jerusalem, thinking about the Lord, praising him, thanking him. And they're down there and they're looking up. They're looking up. There he is. They found out. Verse 12. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any God or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? Isn't that right, king? Isn't that what you said? The king answered and said, this thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. By the way, that's the law of the Medes and Persians. Once it's law, it's law. No changing it. Verse 13, I want you to watch, watch the venom in their mouth as they say these words. Verse 13. So they answered and said before the king, that Daniel, that, that, that remember the one you wanted to exalt? The one you want to set over all of us, that Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, one of those ones brought over here from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. That Daniel thought he doesn't obey you. He doesn't respect you. He doesn't obey your law. Now, notice the king's response. If you've never heard the story before, it would probably surprise you. Most of us are familiar, but don't don't miss it because of the familiarity. Verse 14. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with Daniel. Is that what your Bible says? No, mine says he is greatly displeased with himself. And, and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. 
and he labored to the going down of the sun to deliver it. Is there a loophole? Call the attorney general. Call somebody. Is there anything we can do to deliver Daniel? Verse 15. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, No, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. These wicked men had the king and Daniel right where they wanted them. There was no escape. There was no backing up. They were done with Daniel. Or so they thought. He had done the crime. Now he must do the time. To the lions with him. Notice the hatred of these evil men with glee and gladness in their hearts. They rejoice and they call for the demise of godly Daniel. Look at verse 16 and 17. So the king gave the command and they brought Daniel and cast into the den of lions. Now I want you to watch this next sentence. But the king spoke saying to Daniel, your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Now, I don't really know where Darius was in his own heart and life. And I don't know what actually all happened later on. But I want you to notice that Daniel's faith, it had an impact upon King Darius. Uh, he calls him your God here, not my God. But I want you to notice he knew this about Daniel. You're God's man. You serve God continually. He'll deliver you. Verse 17. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords, that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. And thus ends the story, right? No. I love verses 18 and 19. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No feasting tonight, no joyful parting. No musicians were brought before him. Also, his sleep went from him. He couldn't even sleep. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. In fact, the king actually had a worse night than Daniel did. Now, I want you just for a moment, just for fun, to really picture yourself now. You ever been up close to a lion? You've been to the circus. You've been to the zoo. You've been somewhere. And you ever stood face to face with a lion? I know I have. And I'm glad there's bars between the lion and me. And I'm glad there's glass between the lion and me. Now imagine a bunch of lions that are kept hungry down in a den waiting for the next victim to be tossed to them so they could tear them apart. That's what Daniel faced. Why? Because he prayed. Because he loved God. Because he feared God more than man. And God honored him. Look at verse 20. And when the king came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to him, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God and your serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Now, I don't know if Daniel was a jokester or not. I would have waited probably a minute for an answer. He probably didn't. Why? Because he said this. Verse 21, then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. Listen, Daniel understood the theme of our vacation Bible school this week. God is with me wherever I go. It might be a den of lions. God's with me. It's interesting that the lions are used here as a means of execution. You know, uh, it was what Nebuchadnezzar who used the fiery furnace. Um, but here they use the lions. When you think about our enemy, 
What is he likened to in Scripture? It's likened to a lion, isn't he? In fact, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says this about the devil. He walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Imagine that picture. I read a story this past week about a small congregation uh, that was meeting one Sunday morning, kind of like we're meeting here today. And right in the middle of the service, the devil burst into the building and he started roaring at people. And folks were running out of every door. They were jumping out of every window. Even the preacher ran off because the devil's in there. He's roaring at people. And the room was empty except for one old man. And there was one old man sitting there very calmly with his arms crossed. And the devil got right in his face and he roared again. But that old man sitting there in that pew did not move. He just sat there with his arms crossed. This perplexed the devil. He said, do you know who I am? Why aren't you afraid of me? The old man looked at the devil and said, yeah, you're the devil. But I'm not scared of you because I've been married to your sister for 45 years. (laughs) It's just a joke. Just a joke. Yeah, it's, it's been serious in here. We need to laugh. But we have a real adversary. Don't we this morning? The Bible says our adversary is walking about as a roaring lion seeking to devour. We have a real adversary and so did Daniel. Daniel had to face these lions face to face. Verse 22, here's what it says. Make uh, my God send his angel and shut the lion's mouths so they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I've done no wrong before you. It's just conjecture. We don't know the answer. But who was the angel that was sent to deliver Daniel? Could it have been the same one that stood with Daniel's three friends in the fiery furnace? Could it have been none other than the pre-incarnate Lord Jesus himself? We don't know. Could it have been the lion of the tribe of Judah himself, the Lord Jesus? It's possible. But God delivered Daniel. But I know what you might be thinking. Yes, preacher, God delivered Daniel. But what about all the Christians that were not delivered? We can go back in church history and there's there's stories about Christians who were thrown to the lions and and even horrible things besides that. That's true. God doesn't always deliver from the lions. But that does not diminish God's power and God's ability. And it does not dampen our trust in God. Why? Because we know that his wisdom and his ways are perfect. And sometimes he chooses to deliver from hardship and persecution, and sometimes he does not. But may I say this, beloved, for the child of God, deliverance always comes. For some, it may be here and now, and for others, it might be they're being called up to glory. But we can trust God and leave the consequences to him. And God chose to preserve Daniel's life and use him for his own glory. In fact, Darius could do nothing but praise God. I wish we had time to go through it. I'll leave it for you to read. But he says marvelous things about the Lord there. And there's a real sad account about him taking those who rose up against Daniel and tossing them and their families to the lions where they were killed. Now, listen, just like Daniel, we can impact our culture for God. It might be on a small scale or it might be on a larger one. That's totally up to the Lord. But he wants us to impact our culture for God like Daniel did. So how do we do that? Well, we live a godly life in his power and his strength. And then we form some biblical convictions 
that we refuse to compromise on. And finally, we trust God and leave the consequences to him. May I just say to you, living the Christian life is not always easy. The hymn writer Isaac Watts put it so well. Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sail through bloody seas? Are there no foes for me to face? Must I not stem the flood? Is this vile world a friend to grace to help me on to God? Sure, I must fight if I would reign. Increase my courage, Lord. I'll bear the toil Endure the pain. Watch this. Supported by thy word. Am I a soldier of the cross? A follower of the lamb? And shall I fear to own his cause or blush to speak his name? I say to you today, friend, what is your next step that you need to take today? For some here, the next step for you is salvation. You need to place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to turn from your sin and trust him today. Say, preacher, how do I do that? You simply call out to him. Admit that you're a sinner. Tell him you don't want your sin anymore. You want Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And friend, upon the authority of the word of God, he will save you. He will make you his child. He will forgive you of your sin. And he will give you a home in heaven. His Holy Spirit will indwell you and he'll begin working on you to help you to become more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. For others, your next step is you need to form some convictions. There's some things that you need to get rock solid on in your life. You need to say these things are non-negotiable, these things. And you need to do it now, not waiting until the test comes. Do it now and settle now. And you get those biblical convictions. Make sure it's God's word on these matters. You need to take that step. And then thirdly, there might be some here today, in all honesty, you're being tested right now. And you need to stand firm on your convictions. There are some areas, there's some things in your life that are being put to the test. And you're beginning to wonder if maybe you shouldn't lighten up a bit and waffle a bit or maybe even sin a bit. May God help you to have courage to stand and having done all to stand. And the power of the Lord Jesus. Wherever you are on that list, I want to encourage you here in a moment. We begin to sing. If we can help you in something, I'll be down here in the front. This altar is open for you. There's plenty of room here today. If you need to be saved, come. You say, well, preacher, what do you do? I'll welcome you today. And we'll sit down with God's word and I'll lead you to the cross. If you need to come today, maybe pray about what God is burdening you about, what convictions you need to form. Or maybe today there's some things in your life you need to say No to the world, no to the enemy, and yes to God and stand firm on your convictions. Whatever he's leading you in today, would you take that step of faith, the next step for you, in obeying God today? Father, it is with a grateful heart that we bow now and we thank you for this godly man. We know Daniel wasn't perfect, but Lord, he was a man that loved you and served you and honored you and feared you. And, Lord, you honored him for his faith and for his obedience. Father, I can't save anybody. I can't convince anybody. Lord, we've given your gospel today. I pray if anybody's here does not know you, Lord, burden their heart. Convict them. Bring them to saving faith this moment.
Lord, for believers, speak to their hearts. Help them be obedient. As we have this time of invitation now, we pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. I want to ask you if you would to stand. The altar is open as we begin to sing a familiar song today. Uh, Just as I am. And you come today as we sing.